So we close out the Built series. I hate that because I really would love to do this one about nine more months. This has been a game changer for me to be able to think every single day about the possibility of God building into my life and then building our lives together into his house for his glory. And that is exactly what we've been dreaming about at Passion City Church. If you have scripture today, we're going to look at a few places, but we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 5, a passage that if you've been to church, you obviously know. If you haven't been to church, uh, welcome to the greatest sermon ever preached before. This is um, not mine, uh, the one we're going to look at in Matthew. That was kind of bold anyway. But no, this mine may be also. And if that's true, then glory to God. Uh, I'll, I'll claim it and take it right now. But we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. It's all red. All the pages for the next little journey here, if you look, it's all red. And so Jesus is in the middle of his ministry. People are flocking to him. But he also has a band of followers. And this message began, interestingly, not with Jesus addressing a hillside of thousands. It began with Jesus trying to get away from the thousands and to huddle up with his followers and to teach them about the culture of the kingdom. Now, interestingly, the beginning of the story says Jesus withdrew from the crowd with his disciples. By the end of the message, it says the crowds were astonished at Jesus' Teaching. So what does that tell us? It tells us the crowd wouldn't have it. And as he withdrew with his disciples, the crowd followed along. And eventually, by the end of Jesus' teaching, more and more and more people were hearing what he said. But it was an inside message. And the inside message was, what does the culture of the kingdom look like? So why is this message important for you and me? It becomes for us ground zero of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus on planet Earth. And the core of it is found in this little paragraph uh, in the middle of chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you, speaking to this group of followers, men and women who had sort of pulled away with him from the crowd, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, can we say that together? In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So as we come to the end of the series, you pass the house in the oval. Uh, we've got a little grass and some plants and some landscaping going on. Apparently, you can't touch the house or go near it, by the way. I just found that out this morning, so I'm sorry about that. But enjoy it from a distance. Um, and please take a photograph, but don't get near it when you take the photograph, apparently. Um, we're guarding the house. That's because we've got all the gold of Fort Knox in there. But um, the house, as you came in today, you saw its beauty, and you see it in its finished product, but here's the net of the end of our series. The house was designed so that from the house will radiate the light of Jesus to the world. So from that house, the light of Jesus will be radiated to the world. This is when a house becomes a beacon in a neighborhood when it's occupied and the porch light and the house lights come on and the floodlights come on and the pathway lights come on and all of a sudden now the house takes on its beauty and its place in the neighborhood. And that's the goal of God's progress in you to build you into the man or woman 
who will stand the test of time, that in the end, your light will shine in this world. That is the purpose and the plan of God. And this is our namesake, Matthew 5, 15. It is our address on Garson Drive. And there are not very many addresses on Garson Drive, by the way. We're a very short road, but hey, we're a prominent one nonetheless. And on this little road called Garson Drive, we happen to occupy the address of 515. And that's why we put it on the front of the building. And I know some of you are still asking, why didn't we just put the name of the church on the front of the building? I, I don't know. But we did put the mission of the church on the front of the building, and that's our address, 515, because that is Matthew 515. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So we end this series rallying around our common calling, which is to illuminate this neighborhood, literally this neighborhood, and to be the light of Jesus in this city and throughout this nation and across the world, 515 Passion City Church, we want to be the light of Jesus in the world. That is the mission of our church. I remember when we were uh, just opening, people would drive in all the time because they didn't know what it was and it looked kind of cool. And um, we, we would love it. We would leave here at different times of the day and night. And there would always be people pulling in here at night as we were getting started. And they would come up, pull up to the front, get out of their cars. I saw many people do this, walk up to the doors and put their heads up to the window. And they'd be looking and you could see them talking to each other like, what is it? I don't know. What do you think it is? I don't know. It's a big hallway going somewhere. I can't tell where it goes down there. And uh, maybe I, nobody knew. But I remember the, the couple that drove in one night and we were leaving and as we were leaving, pulling around from the back, they were kind of circling around the parking lot and we finally ended up at the exit together and uh, we had our windows down. It was uh, spring time when we moved in here and they had their windows down and I remember us saying, hey, how y'all doing? And they're like, hey, is this a, is this a lighting store? Is this a lighting store? And the reason they asked was because if you come at night, um, those Edison light bulbs that hang down in the open spot above the old Home Depot door section right there, they kind of look a little bit like it would be uh, light, Lighting Plus or Lighting World or Lighting Headquarters or Lighting Is Us or something like that. And they, they thought, looking at the place, is it a lighting store? And we're like, no, it's a church. And then we're like, no, 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 it is a lighting store. Yes, that's exactly what it is. This place is a place where light shines. And as we end the series, I really just want us to rally around that idea that God wants to build you into a house that shines for his glory in the world. And that's going to happen when we rally around a couple of big ideas today. And big idea number one is this, that Jesus is the light of the world. And you're thinking, oh man, tell me something revolutionary. I'm not even gonna write that down because I already knew that. No, I want you to write that down. That's number one. We are going to shine individually and collectively when we come to understand that Jesus is the light of the world. This is what he said about himself in John chapter 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have. Can you say those words with me? Will have. Can you say it with me? Will have the light of life. So Jesus says two things here. It's the only place he really says this, this directly. He said to his followers, I, 
am the light of the world. Now, we're going to reconcile that with where we started today when he said to you and me, you are the light of the world. So is it I am the light of the world or you are the light of the world? Is Jesus the light of the world or are you the light of the world? We're going to reconcile that. But Jesus is teaching his followers and he says, I am, look at me, I am the light of the world. Not a light, not one of the lights, not an option light. I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me, he said, will not walk in darkness, but look what they will have. They will have, they'll take possession of the light of life. So Jesus, our Savior, the one who we believe changed history and changed our lives, he is defined as the source of light in this world. And we already know the world's dark. On many, many levels, the world is dark. But into this world, Jesus has arrived. And Jesus said, I am the singular source of light. So if depression is coming over you like a dark cloud, the source of light for that cloud and darkness of depression is the person of Jesus Christ. If deception is coming over your life and clouding your vision, blinding your ability to discern, if it is leading you down paths that are destructive, Jesus Christ is the light of truth in your life. If there is any kind of darkness coming into your world, Jesus is the source by which light will shine in you. And our whole connectivity with Jesus centers around that idea of light. We talk at Passion City Church about how becoming a Christian is not about being bad or being good, that our journey isn't going from bad to good. Church isn't about bad people becoming good people. We talked about how the gospel is more powerful than that, and the gospel is about, we say it every week, and I, I love it, it's about dead people coming to life, but it's also about something else. And I like that we have new language to talk about our salvation today, because if Jesus is the light of the world, then our salvation is an event of light. You're like, well, what, what do you mean by that? That in our salvation, we do move from darkness to light. So yes, it's death to life, but it's also darkness into light. This is what he said about himself, Jesus, a few pages over in John chapter 1, verse 4. Read it with me. Uh, I'll just, just read all the way down to it, and I'm not sure which verse will come up, probably just verse 4, but I'll start with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, all caps, or capital word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is all speaking of Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, that's through Jesus, this is so powerful, all things were made. So Jesus isn't just son of God in a robe walking around the Holy Land. Jesus is the originator of everything that is. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And you won't be made without Jesus. You will not be built without Jesus. Your life will not become everything God has dreamed it will be without Jesus. Your family will not become the family it can be without Jesus. Nothing is built without him, not anything that stands the test of time. And then look at verse four. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. Now, I just want to make this connection today, that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. 
So the gospel is about going from death to life, but it's also about going from darkness to light. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 says if you see this passage beginning in verse 8. And I love the way that Paul breaks this down for us. Makes it really practical. We'll come back to this a little bit later in the talk today. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, hello, but now, so now something shifted, you are light in the Lord. See how that change happened? That wasn't a progression of I'm working on being less dark and being more light. I'm trying to be less like darkness and more like lightness. I'm, I'm trying to move on down the, the journey of moving from bad to good. He said, no, you were darkness and now you are light in the Lord. So just like you were dead and now you're alive, you were dark and now you are light. And then he breaks that down a little bit. He said, live then as children of light. So when you were born spiritually, if you made that connection with Jesus, you were born as a child of light. Why? Because Jesus is light. He's the light of the world. And if you were born into life in Jesus, you were born into the light of Jesus. His life is the light of all men. I, I, I don't know if this is firing anybody else up. Apparently not. But it's firing me up because it gives me more words to talk about my salvation. It used to just be, I'm not going to, to hell. I am going to heaven. That was the way we talked about our salvation. Then it was, um, I'm lost and now I'm found. And that's a good way to talk about our salvation. And then it was, I was dead and now I'm alive. And that's a great way to talk about our salvation. But there's another way. I used to be in darkness and now I am light in the Lord. My identity has changed. Do you see that? Not my behavior necessarily, but my identity has changed. I am one of the children of light. We sang that as we opened the gathering today. I am a son of light, a daughter of light. I'm a child of light, and together we're the children of light. So what do we do? We live then as children of light. And then he puts a little parenthetical material in here for us. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And we find out what pleases the Lord. So our mission on life is to walk as children of light and to figure out what makes God happy. So what do Christians do? They just walk in light as children of light and they figure out what makes God happy. Isn't that beautiful? Well, we do this and we don't do that and we do this and we say that and we can't do this and we can do that. No, we just walk as children of light because that's what we are now and we figure out what makes God happy and we do that because we are children of light. And the converse of this is true as well. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And this is why it is said, and here comes the gospel, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. That's our gospel, death to life. But look what happens when you rise from the dead. What? And Christ, say it with me, will shine on you. So as you move in faith in Jesus and the fact that he died in our place, 
was buried in our tomb, was raised up by the power of God. When we put our faith in that, we move from death to life. And when we move from death to life, the light of Christ shines on us and we become the children of light in the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And if you know him, guess what? You now are connected to the light of the world. You are a child of light. That's what the prophecy of Isaiah, thank you for that. That's way better than the 10 o'clock. Um, the, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah, I love this. Look, this is the passage that we talk about around Christmas time as we talk about the birth of Jesus. He's gonna be called the Prince of Peace. Um, this same chapter of Isaiah, chapter nine, um, this is what it says at the very beginning in, in verse two. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. So this is the gospel. Not people walking in darkness saw the truth necessarily. They saw a light because when you are in the darkness of this world, you are looking for a beacon of hope. And this is the prophecy of Jesus. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. See the connection again between death and life and darkness and light? They lived in a land of the shadow of death and a light has dawned. And to the degree that we celebrate that Jesus came on the scene of our darkness and illuminated our light, to the same degree the city should rejoice that we, the people of God, have built a house and been built into a house that radiates the light and the love of Jesus to the world. This is the purpose for which God is building you and us into his house that will stand the test of time. We are the children of light. The second thing that we have to wrap our hearts around is this, that our mission is to be the gift of light to the world. Your mission, okay, my mission is to be the gift of light to the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So how did that work? Well, we see how it works now. The light of the world, Jesus, gives us life and light. And then when Christ comes to live in us, guess what? We become the light of the world. It's not our light in the world. It's Jesus' light in us in the world. So now Jesus is in heaven and we are in the world. So he lights up heaven in eternity and we light up earth and the darkness. Hello? So where does God dwell? He does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. This is clear in scripture. He dwells in his people. We are the dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. You and me are where the Spirit of God dwells. Therefore, the light and the love of Jesus have become resident in us. Jesus is not on planet Earth currently. But you are. Therefore, he is if he is alive in you. And so our mission now, all of a sudden is elevated with incredible understanding and opportunity and, and humility and wow factor 
that our mission now is to be a gift of light to the world. If I could say it a different way, it is our reason for being is to illuminate a darkened world. Matthew 5, I just want to read it one more time. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, this is clear. Jesus, you know, I, some people think when he was teaching, he, he was obviously teaching by the Sea of Galilee. Some people think that when he was teaching, he possibly pointed to a city that sat up on a, a hillside that everyone knew and said, like that city right there, everyone on the lake can see that city. Everyone at night can see the lights of that city because it is set up on a hill. So in the same way, when you get light, you don't put it under a bowl or under a basket. You put it up on the stand so it illuminates everyone in the house. And then he just takes that example of, you see how the city up on the hill, everybody can see it. You see how the light up on the stand lights up the whole house. And then he just says, okay, in the same way, let your light, which we now know is his light in us, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. He said, I'm setting you to be a city on a hill that everybody can see. I want to raise you up to be a lamp on a stand that lights up the room for everyone in it. Can we say it a different way? Without you, the world is dark. But with you, the world can see. I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus is currently not on planet Earth. But we are. Therefore, he is. If he lives in us. And the world sees because of you and me. I mean, is that just like give you the heebie-jeebies on a couple different levels? Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit gets in that like right then and there and there like so much conviction just went across the room, good and not great? Like, wow, I'm the light of the world. Wow, who am I lighting up? Wow, I'm the light of the world. Is the world gonna see because of me? Well, you mean, if it's not me, then there isn't any light. That's right. Jesus isn't coming to my work. He sent me, and I carry him. Therefore, I am the light of my work. Now, this is how you would announce your new job when you arrive there and get into your new place of work. This is what you would say. Hello, I'm Louie. Happy to meet all of you. I, by the way, am the light of the world, and it is an amazing thing that I've come to work at our company because I'm going to light this place up. I'm going to be in the break room. I'm going to be in the mail room. I'm going to be in the parking deck. I'm going to be in the elevator. I'm going to be in my cubicle. I'm just going to be beaming out the light and the love of Jesus all over this company. So props to me for coming to work here. Yeah, that's, that's, probably, that's probably not your opening line. Some of you are like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. No, don't do that. But that's definitely your operating grid. You just got on a new Alta tennis team. 
And so the first time y'all get together, well, this is Sally. And Sally's just moved into the neighborhood and she's played double A, triple A, four A, five A over in such and such Shady Oaks. And she's now in our neighborhood and we're happy to have her playing on number four doubles team. Sally, you wanna say anything? I would love to say something. I am the light of the world. And I'm telling you what, this team is about to be bright. You know, I don't know if we're going to win, but we're going to shine because I am carrying the life and the love and the power of Jesus in my life. So, ladies, I know we've kind of had it one way here, but things are shifting here because the darkness is moving out and the light has arrived. Welcome me to the new Alta team at whatever, whatever. So that's not your opening line, but it is your opening grid and your operating grid. Light just arrived. So anybody walking in darkness on this team, hallelujah, light just arrived. Anybody working here in darkness, praise God, light has just arrived. Depression on people here, praise God, light arrived. Deception on people here, praise God, light arrived. Darkness on people here, Praise God, light just arrived. And you can just tell people, hey, you know, welcome to advanced calculus. I'm so glad I'm in your class because I am the light of the world. <laughs> Not our opening line, but yes, our operating grid. You are the light of the world. It is our reason for being, is to shine in this world. It breaks up a couple of myths. Number one, it breaks up the myth that my faith is a private thing. It also, if we have it, breaks up the myth that we're ever really fully going to be approved by this world. So we know a couple things are shifting for us. And by our mission of being carriers of Jesus in the world, we know now that this whole idea that, you know, Louis, my face kind of a private thing. Well, really, no, it's not. Because putting a light up on a stand so it can illuminate everybody in the house is really not a private thing. It's not the nature of light to be private. The nature of light is to break out. It's not the nature of the dawn to just dawn in one city. It's the nature of the dawn to dawn over the whole earth. It's not the nature of light to be hidden. It's the nature of light to be shared. And so you would never take a light and put a bowl over it. You would never take a light and put a bushel over it. And so you would never take faith in Jesus and say, it's a private thing. You would always say, I want my light to shine. Hello, this sounds contrary to a lot of things we've thought about in our faith, but we can reconcile them today. I want my life to shine before men. You're like, Louis, I don't want attention. I don't want to draw attention to me. I don't want people to think about me. I want to be humble. I want to be a servant. I want to be in the background. I don't want anybody to notice me. Hello, God wants people to notice you. God wants people to notice you. He wants your light to shine before men. Well, that feels like, you know, they're going to put me on the spot and give me credit and everybody's going to lift me up and it's going to be like, oh, you, 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 you. No, 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 no. If your light shines good, they'll praise him and not you. They'll praise me and not, I mean, praise him and not me. He wants us to be visible 
Yes, with our actions, and people say all the time to me, you know, it's not my words, it's my actions that I want to share the gospel. And I'm like, that's totally great as long as people are coming to praise your Father in heaven. Yeah. And that's not a cop-out, you know. I know that's kind of pastoral, but that's not a cop-out for I've never led one person to Jesus. Well, I just, I just let people see my actions. Well, that's great. Are your actions leading people to praise God? Well, I don't know. I never talked to him about it because my faith's a private thing. Well, listen, people don't need private light. They need light. They need people they can see. And this is our opportunity. And when we shine, we already know that we're not gonna be full-on approved by the world. Do you know that already? You're not gonna get a standing ovation every time from the world. Jesus knew this. Look what he says in John chapter three. I think everybody knows the, the opening of this section in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. And maybe you'll want to take that step today. Because the way that we get out from under condemnation and the penalty of sin is by faith in the Savior who frees us from sin. And that's what he's saying right here. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Can I just unpack that for a second? Everybody is under the weight of sin, and none of us can get out from under that weight unless you can be perfect, and then you're free and clear. But if you can't be perfect, and I can't be perfect, then we are under already, currently, not when we get to heaven, currently, right now, here and now, not at the pearly gates, not when they go in the database, not whether you're here or not, not whether you're on the approved list, not whether you have a fob, but currently, right now, if you're not perfect, you are under the condemnation, the weight of being less than perfect, of sin, already. It's not gonna happen when you die. It's already real right now. But when we put our faith in Jesus, the one who was perfect, we move out from under the condemnation and we move under the grace of Jesus because we put our faith in the one that was perfect and now we are no longer under condemnation. We are under Jesus and we are alive. Not we're gonna get alive when we get to heaven. We're currently alive. Not we're gonna have to worry about condemnation when we get to heaven. We're out from under condemnation and we're currently alive in Jesus. This is the scripture and then he goes on to say, this is the verdict. So here's what we got to look forward to. Light has come into the world. That's Jesus. But men loved darkness instead of light. So now we're kind of getting a little bit of the tension. We're the light of the world. That sounds great. We're a city set on a hill. That sounds amazing. We want to put up on a lampstand so we can give light to the whole room. That sounds amazing. Until you understand that the world really doesn't want amazing necessarily. That in this world, men love darkness more than light. Not talking about you. Not talking about me. Talking about Jesus. Jesus, the light, came into the world, but men love darkness instead 
of light because their deeds were evil. So people have said about Jesus, I don't want Jesus. I'd rather have dark than have light. I would rather have my evil deeds than to have Jesus rolling in here exposing everything about my heart. So I'm gonna choose to love the darkness. And there are people living in the darkness, but there are a lot of people loving the darkness. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Well, who's the light? You're the light. So that means that a lot of people who do evil are not gonna really fall in love with you. They're not gonna fall in love with me. So this notion that, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm full of the light and the love of Jesus, I'm full of the grace of Jesus, I'm not in the world to condemn the world, my job's not to condemn people, hello, amen, my job's not to roll up into people's world and to condemn them, my, role, my job is to roll up in people's world and just shine the light and the love and the grace of Jesus and the truth of Jesus into their lives. And even in that, a lot of people are gonna say no thank you. They will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done or he has done has been done through God. I love this hope and prayer and the hope and prayers that we will have a shift in mentality today and the shift of our mentality today would be not that God wanted to give us a wonderful house, that God wanted to build us into wonderful people, but that God wanted to build us into the kind of house that from this house, the light of Jesus could shine into the city. This is the purpose for which God has put you and me on planet Earth. So, so what does that mean? It means that we don't seek shelter from the world. And we're not looking for shelter from the world because we're the light of the world. We're not trying to avoid the darkness. We want to go into the darkness. We're not afraid of the underside of the city because we don't know what's out there. We're like, we know what's out there and what's out there needs light. And if there's gonna be light there, then we have to shine into the darkness. So we're not going to create a subculture, amen? That's not going to be the kind of house we build. Please tell me that at Passion City Church. We're not going to insulate the walls so thick that we can't hear the cries of the city. We're not going to tent the windows so we can't see the hurting. We're not going to barricade the doors and then throw a party for ourselves. We want to be the light of the world, unsheltered from the darkness. We want to live in the world. We don't want to just create a Christian version of everything there is so we don't have to deal with the darkness. But we want to be Christ followers, spirit-filled people, empowered by God so that we can walk in the world knowing we're not going to be loved every time by everybody, but knowing that if we're raised up on a stand, that we can illuminate people's darkness. And some people are going to want to know how to find that light of Jesus. And they're going to find it in you, and they're going to find it in me. And so what do we do? We say, God, I don't want to be, be sheltered from the world. Instead, here's our prayer. And this is going to sound contrary. I know, but just think it through. Here's my prayer. God, put me up on a stand. You're like, oh my goodness, Louis, you can't pray that. Our prayer is, oh Lord, put me down in the dust. You know, just lower me down at the company to the last guy in the company. I will get as low as humanly possible at the company. Does anybody see me? No, okay, great. I love you, Lord. Shine. Shine in me. Shine in me. You know, and so we're going to get 
the believers and we're getting a broom closet, you know, like once a week and we're going to huddle together. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, we all love Jesus. Awesome. Okay, let's go back to our jobs. All right, here we go, you know. No, our prayer is put me on a stand. So how does that prayer work? Because some of you are like, ah. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. Yes, some of you are like, thank you for that, amen. That's better theology. And, and he will exalt you at the proper time. Now somebody's gonna say, well, that means in heaven. Well, maybe it does mean in heaven. I think it absolutely means in heaven. But what if it meant right now that God wanted you to be raised up in whatever field you are in to the highest point, to the pinnacle of where you can be raised in your field and in your endeavors so that the light of Jesus resident in you can illuminate the most people possible. And so as your pastor, as your pastor, that's what I pray. I pray against the spirit of the middle. I pray against the spirit of the muddled middle, where I just shuffle in, slide my fob, go to my cubicle, post another picture up on the wall, get on Facebook, see what everybody else is doing, whittle my time away, go out to my car, and roll on out for another day. I pray against that spirit. And I pray that if somebody's gonna get an award at your company for excelling in sales, excelling in percentage growth, excelling in territory being taken, excelling in being the greatest employee of the month, excelling in the character award for our foundation, excelling in being the greatest student in the class, the best teammate on the team, if plaques are going to be given, if awards are going to be given, I pray you get them. If there's a bonus to be had, I want you to get the bonus. If there is a lifting to be done, I want you to be the one that gets lifted. I want people to think in our business, who are we going to name the employee of the year? Of course, it's going to be her. Absolutely, it's going to be her every year. In fact, she wins it every year. And then you can shine from the top of the stand so that people will see your good works and then not praise you, but praise your Father in heaven. If you have a small business, my hope is that your small business will be the preeminent small business in your sphere of influence. If you're a teacher, I pray that you'll win the Teacher of the Year Award this year and that we will buck the muddled middle where people are just shuffling along in life as though we have no purpose, but that we will understand that the purpose of God resident in us is to be cities on hills and lights on stands. And that we will settle for nothing less than the prayer that says, God, I'm going to be the best. It may not land you on Sports Center. It may not land you on the front page of the New York Times. You may not get an Academy Award, but you, you can be seen by the people. And this is God's hope, and this is God's dream for you. So the third thing is this. So what, what is the method of this mission? Sounds good. It's an it's a easy thought. Okay, so we're supposed to be light in the world. That's what I want to be. Is I'm going to be light in the world. 
What's the method of that? I want you to just back up, if you can, to Ephesians 5 one more time. The method is to walk. That's how this happens. It doesn't miraculously happen that you wake up in the morning and say, man, I'm just going to shine today. Lord, help me shine today. Oh, I want to shine today. It really actually has a method and a rhythm to it. And the, the method and the rhythm is that we walk in light. So that's what he says coming to the end of verse 8. In my translation, it says, live as children of light. Some translations would say, walk as children of light. And then this is where we need the parentheses. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And so we want to constantly step into the puddles of goodness and righteousness and truth. That's all we need for that. Our method is our walking, our steps, so that we break it down from this mystical idea of shining in the world down to what is my next step right now? And how can I step in goodness in righteousness and in truth because that's simply the bedrock for shining in this world. You take a step in goodness and you're shining. You take a step toward righteousness and you're already shining. You take, take a step toward truth and you are already illuminating the world around you. And then with that, he says, and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So the method is to walk in light and to not walk in dark. Hello? Isn't that amazing how simple that is? The way you shine in the world is just don't walk in the dark. Because when you're walking in the dark, you're not shining the light. And then lastly, this all happens when we understand that our wattage our wattage, you understand when you're talking about light, right? You're talking about bulbs, you're talking about wattage. So there's a 25-watt bulb and a 50-watt bulb and a 75-watt bulb and there's a 100-watt bulb. There used to be a 150-watt bulb. They won't sell you one of those anymore because I don't think it's like eco-friendly or something, but that's the ones we always wanted, right? And it says on the lamp, you know, only use a 60-watt bulb. And you're like, I don't care. I'm putting 150 water in there because I want to light this thing up. And maybe it's going to blow up and burn something down, but I want to see and I'm not putting a bulb in there so that I can't read. Anybody follow me on that? But now, if you want a 100-watt bulb, you got to buy it on the black market somewhere. And, um, you know, now we're getting these LED bulbs that turn everything blue, and that's amazing and awesome, but they don't really brighten up the room like that old incandescent bulb used to. And I know that's not, you know, eco-sensitive and all that and blah, 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 blah. But bulbs have different wattage. And here's the thing. So how does your wattage increase in the world? Because here's what I think somebody's thinking right now. You're thinking, I don't know if I can pull off what you're talking about. I haven't lived a perfect life. I've got a couple of uh, checks in my past. I got some rough edges that I'm still working on. I'm not like the most spiritual guy I know. And I don't really know exactly how down at so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so law firm, I'm going to actually like be the light of the world. That might be too big of a job for me. Here's the cool part of this, that God's not asking you to provide the light. He's just asking you to be you with Christ in you. And that's how the wattage is increased. And the wattage goes up by both our victories, hello, and our failures. That's how the wattage goes up. You're like, yeah, we're not uh, celebrating uh, failures, but the reality is we all have them. 
And so we already know from Matthew 5, one of the ways your wattage goes up is by doing good deeds before men, that they'll see your good deeds and they'll praise your Father in heaven. So one way you go from a 50-watt bulb to a 75-watt bulb is just by walking in good deeds and truth in life, by doing the right thing. Your wattage goes up. But here's another beautiful thing. Your wattage also goes up when you're honest about the cracks in your life and through the cracks in your life, people actually see that Christ is in you you. Now, this is powerful, and we've all seen this a bunch of different ways, but last passage, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, going back to this idea of life to death, darkness to light, it's right here again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning, we could back up all the way, but let's just begin in verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, that was first creation, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. One of my favorite lines in all of scripture, that the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that same power in that same God made his light shine in our hearts, not our light, but his light to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And where do you find that light of the knowledge of the glory of God? In the face of Christ. So without Christ, you don't have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You don't really know about the glory of God apart from the face of Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, the scripture says. And so everything we need to know about the bright, shining light of God, we see in the face of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we therefore receive the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, then brings his light into our hearts through Jesus. There's that gospel thing we talked about at the very beginning. But then look at the beauty of verse 7. But... Huge but here. We have this treasure. What treasure? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have that treasure in jars of clay. Your your translation may say earthen vessels. Imperfect pots. Cracked containers. That's where the treasure is resides. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ in a broken pot. So that, you say, why would we do that? Why wouldn't he put it in some like amazing container like an alabaster jug with a gold lid? And we'd roll in like, hey, And then people would say, man, that dude's an alabaster jug with a gold lid. I've never seen anything like it. Now, the treasure is in the jar of clay so that the glory can go to the treasure more than the jar. The light is in a cracked pot. You're like, I'm not a cracked pot. Who's a crack pot? Can we just see a show of hands? Any crack pots here? Anybody got a few little fissures? Like, we fill you up, stuff's leaking out the bottom. So the treasure is in cracked pots so that the glory can be in the treasure. 
and not in the pot. And that's what I love about our house. So we're gonna have our wattage go up when we do good works that all people can see and then praise God. But our wattage is also gonna go up when we're honest about our cracks. But it's not a pity party. It's a display. So, so many times we're like, yeah, I'll tell people all my troubles, but at the end of the day, all I did was tell them all my troubles. But man, when we tell people all our troubles, but yet still they see that the cracks are the way that the light escapes into the world, then the world wants to know what's inside what's inside you because I know I can see that it's not you but what's in you and we have a tendency sometimes as the church to want to have a perfect house and so we bandage our cracks and we conceal the opportunity for Jesus to be more powerful than our weakness and what the world really honestly wants they want to see people do good They don't want to just see us, oh, I'm just going to fail some more this week so people can see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in my cracked pot. So here I go again. Ah! Oh, but God loves me anyway. No, we, we want to do good. We want to mature. We want to advance in becoming like Jesus. But when we have cracks, we want to just be open and let people know that, yeah, I'm hurting. But Jesus, he's holding Yeah, I disappointed myself and a bunch of people, but Jesus' love trumps my disappointment. And now light is shining out of the cracks. I'm thinking back to when I was a kid and President Kennedy was assassinated. You know, there were only three channels on television back then, black and white. So the whole nation is froze in its tracks. Some of you remember that. I mean, every single person in America just froze. And I remember being in a little apartment over here off Marietta Boulevard, our black and white TV, and I was only, uh, you know, six years old. But I remember just standing there with my parents who were sobbing and staring at the TV and knowing something shifted, something changed. And so they put the president's body on a plane in Dallas pretty quickly. His wife, the vice president, other people flew from Dallas to Washington, D.C. On that flight, Vice President Johnson was sworn in to be the president of the United States. And Mrs. Kennedy, in the photos that you see, just sat with her hand on the coffin the whole ride home. And one of the most powerful images of that day was her landing and debarking from that plane in that pink suit that was covered with her husband's blood. And history unfolds the story that back in the hospital in Dallas, before they left to board the plane, well-meaning people said, Mrs. Kennedy 
wouldn't you want to change into another outfit? And she said, no. I want to let the people see what they've done to my husband. And the image of the grief galvanized the heart of the nation. And honestly, people wondered, how does someone have the fortitude that was displayed in the hours that unfolded when that plane landed in D.C.? And in the same way, all of us have lived through stuff. And church, Passion City Church, this house, God's house, isn't about covering up all the wounds and all the failure and all the places in our story that we want to forget about. It's not about those defining us and about us rolling around. Yes, I've been married three times and it's incredible and I blew up this marriage and I blew up that and I blew up the other. No, but it's that you don't have to come in this house and say, well, you know, everything's good, everything's fine. I'm just gonna put a Band-Aid on my cracks because it is through our cracks that the light of Jesus shines to a hurting world. And there are people all around us and it's a redeeming factor of our broken stories is that somebody else wants to know, is there a redeeming hope? For my broken story and the redeeming hope for their broken story is seeing that the grace of God is sufficient for you in the cracks and the crevices of your life. Our wattage goes up when we do good, but our wattage also goes up when we are open and honest to the world and we say, I'm not perfect, but hello, the one who is perfect is living in me. And that light is still illuminating the path even now in me. And this is the goal, is to be people who understand that Jesus is the light of the world, and by our relationship with him, we are now the children of light. It's to see that our mission is to bring the gift of light to the world. It's our reason for being. It's to understand the method of being light is to walk in light, and it's to understand that we can shine just as bright with our failures in our past as we can with our good deeds. As long as the story is, Christ is in me, I'm moving on towards him, I'm rooting myself in the church, I'm centering my life in this word, and I'm believing God that he can restore my life and my dream into a beautiful home that shines light and gives shade to the world. Don't you wanna be that person? How beautiful. You know, if it, were, if it were you and you became the lighthouse for the people in your world. People said, you know, when you're getting close to shore and you don't want to crash, you just keep your eye on Daniel because somehow he, he guides me away from the rocks. Where's, where's Daniel? I need, I need to keep my, where's Daniel? So no, our eyes on Jesus. It is on Jesus. But Jesus with skin all around him and a man named Daniel who's living a faithful life, being built into the man that God dreamed he would be, who becomes a lighthouse for the people in his world. Or it's a campfire, another kind of light where people love to gather 
and to say, you know what, when we, when we pull together, it's always seems like it's around Daniel. He just gathers people. He rallies people. People love to be around him. There's a community of people all the time around the light in his life. Or searchlight. So when someone says, you know, my brother's off the deep end. My, my mom needs help. My, my, my neighbor, I don't know what to do. I know Daniel. I'm going to go get Daniel. Daniel, help me. Be a searchlight. Let's go on a rescue mission. I know Daniel will know what to do. Or when you need that headlight, who do you call? Like, I don't know exactly where the path's going to go right now, but I know Daniel will know. Number, number one call in my phone. Hey, Daniel. Man, I'm not sure what to do right now, but I'm pretty sure you'll know what to do. Help me know what to do. Lead me to the word. Lead me to Jesus. Man, what a privilege to be a lighthouse, to be a campfire, to be a searchlight, to be a headlight for the world. This is what God is calling us to do and be. So I ask you today three questions. Is is there in you a connection to the light, to Jesus? In other words, do you have power coming from the street? So if you flipped on the switch, light would happen. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you, by faith, gone from death to life and had Christ come and shine his life and light in you? So that's question number one. Because you're not going to shine without Jesus because he is the light of the world. So are you connected to the power source? Otherwise, you're going to go out of here and go, I'm going to try to shine. I'm going to try to live a different life. You're not going to do that. Because it's not our power, it's his power in us. Second question is, is there in you today an embracing of the reality of the times and the urgency of the mission? In other words, is there something in your heart today that says, you know what, we're living in a dark world. The scripture calls it a crooked and perverse generation among whom we shine like stars in the universe. And I need to get out of the muddled middle And I need to embrace my opportunity to be a light in my world. And then the third question is simply this. Is there a distinction in our lives? In your life, is there a distinction today? So like in your neighborhood, in your circle of friends, where you work out, in your business, in your classroom, your endeavors, is there a distinction in you? Would people say, light, not dark? And if not, does there need to be a shift today for us to say, you know what, if we're going to shine as Passion City Church, we've got to shine as people. If we're going to shine as people, we've got to say goodbye to some of the darkness that's in our lives, all of the darkness that's in our lives, so that we can be different in the world.